live from Tully's. Two seconds to go. McNamara. It's gone! This is... Jerry Mack drops one on G-Town! Wait a minute. The Jerry McNamara Show. Welcome into the Jerry McNamara Show. We're here at Tully's on Erie Boulevard and on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. We're coming to you from 7 to 8. Then we pass it off to Alan Griffin, Stephen Fonte, and New York State Sports Writer of the Year, Mike Waters. Got to make sure I get that Plug every, every time I get. Well deserved, Michael. <laughs> at, at Atilio's on James tonight for the Alan Griffin Show. I actually show. sent him a text message of congratulations today. So you knew te- before. And he texted me back, not bad for the B team. So <laughs> well played. That's too good. Yeah, that is well played. He he mentioned on the, the Griff Show last week, he said, you know, uh, it's easy to talk smack because he's got reporter's notebooks older than me. <laughs> and when I saw him at the game Saturday, he told me he was cleaning out his office and found a reporter's notebook that is, in fact, older than me. So I didn't doubt him. He's one of the best. Mike does a great job. We're very lucky. He certainly is. And, and Jerry, uh, happy to be here with you tonight. And and, uh, incredible uh, game to come off of. I'm not going to lie. Yesterday I was a little worried. Uh, about doing coaches shows tonight with <laughs> with the prospects of of the game Saturday and then going down to Duke, but that was really a a remarkable game and an incredible performance uh, by you guys. Uh, curious from your perspective, what stands out the most from from what you saw from the team? Uh, just kind of just the res- resilience uh, to start the way we did to go down twelve zero. Um, you know, to spend the next three or four minutes kind of chipping away to get back into it, um, and then. You know, nip and tuck the rest of the way. Um, multiple times I had a chance to watch it again today, um, which is always the case. We always go back and watch. Now, we didn't watch it as a staff today. We had the day off, um, so everybody kind of just – we got in late. Uh, so I actually watched it probably two hours ago. Um, so the 12-0 run to start, I thought. But then when we got down eight, I think it was 67-59 to 59 in the second half. And again, we're not going anywhere. I think Frank, that's when he hit the three. When uh, O'Connell got tripped up, they got tangled up, and, and Frank pulled up and hit a three. Um, his, his stretch in the second half, um, to me, was, was a huge difference. Um, obviously, what Tyus did is I mean, he was the best player on the court in, in a long stretch last night. And, and that's not taking away anything from, from the two guys that they have, uh, Zion Williamson and, and R.J. Barrett are terrific. They're absolutely terrific. Um, you know, all the all the attention that's that's getting drawn to them, and you know, a lot of the talk being one and two in the draft. I get all that. Um, but Tyus Battle um, was the best player on the court in, in a long, long stretch last night. Um, but when you go down eight in the second half, and you have another veteran guard who's been in those situations, who's been there, been in big moments, who goes, I think, scores nine of a, of the next eleven points for us uh, to keep us there. Um, multiple times we looked down and out and we just never never we never went away we'd always chip back in and i don't know you know i know we took a lead in the first half but the whole second half pretty much they had control of things you know six seven eight and then we'd get it back down six you know and and we just kept coming and and when we took that lead i think it was 81 80 um on ties to step back yeah when 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 we took that lead i think it was 81 80 right under three minutes i was like all right <laughs> now you might get a little tight on the offensive end if you're duke you know because now 
with Jones and, and Reddish being out, you, not that you become predictable, but you kind of assume that RJ or Zion's going to take the big shot. And you know O'Connell's the best stretch guy, so you could kind of defend him elevated. And, you know, White hasn't hit one yet. So um, the fact that we never went away and we just kind of kept nipping at them and, and take, take a lead. And then, you know, the last foul I thought was bogus uh, with, with Zion. I thought he lost the basketball. I watched it again today. It looked like it. And, you know, but I get it. When he goes to the rim and he loses the ball, you assume that there's probably contact. And, um you know, for us to go into overtime down there, it's one thing you gotta, you're thinking we gotta take this one in regulation. We don't wanna go to an extra period. And um, I think Coach said it in the post game press, press conference. The fact that we got the tip in overtime and Elijah went in and made the two quick, it's kind of ease, you know, ease the, pr- the pressure of an overtime on the road. Uh, wow, we got the two point lead and then we go up four. Um, you know, so for us to kind of to start the way we did, to come back. And then to be down eight to ten in the second half, I think it was eight or nine, um, to to continue to come back and fight, and then go into overtime and still win that game, I think that's what you take out of it the most. Is you go on the road uh, in a really difficult environment to play against a phenomenal team. I mean, you're talking about Trey Jones and Cam Reddish didn't play last night, and it took a really good game from us to beat them in overtime, and they shot nine for 43 from the field. You think about that. Think about how how talented that you must be to still be in that game to, to you know so we we're fully aware they weren't at full strength but it, it doesn't lessen the fact that we went into a, a really good difficult environment to play and, and, and took that game on the road you know you you brought up a lot there but that, that thing you hit no, on last <laughs> that thing you hit on last is something that i did want to get to with you at some point here and, and with duke how how talented are they that they could shoot as poorly as they did? Because you guys did a good job defensively on them. They missed a whole bunch of shots, yeah. and they still put up 85 points in regulation. Like what? What? <laughs> what does that tell you about them? And 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 just how talented is that team? Well, they could beat you in a variety of ways, but those Zion Williamson. I don't know if I've seen. I don't know if I've seen either i don't know if i've seen the strength of a individual player or the athleticism but now you're combining the both into one human and <laughs> the guy is he's different and we defended him in stretches i thought really well you know there was one play in the second half that i think we had the lead and he they give it into him and pascal i mean seven two completely vertical great defense and my man just bullies him not in a bad. I mean, he just he he didn't even see the rim, and he somehow flipped one in off the glass. I mean, to there have, was a shot that Elijah Oroche blocked that he got through, right? Was yeah, that, that was him. Yeah, he, well, he's just he's physically just stronger than any human being on planet Earth. So um, the guy's terrific. He really is. Um, and and coach said it after the game. He hit some even when he was defended well. He hit some difficult shots and. Uh, we did a good job in stretches. I, you know, the Marek charge I thought was a huge play, um, and I, 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 I think it was O'Shea who stepped in, and when he spun back to his left after he went hard right, O'Shea I thought took a charge uh, that wasn't called. So we threw bodies at him, um, but he's just really good. So the fact that, you know, listen, when we started the first half and you look down and and we got four guys with three fouls. Um, 
I thought that was another kind of thing that went a little bit unnoticed in the second half was we were able to defend without getting into more foul trouble, which helped. And Pascal was terrific. I mean, he was terrific. Um, constantly running up into ball screens and constantly rolling. You know, the fact that he had multiple putbacks to put us in position, the biggest one being on Frank's lob shot, <laughs> pass shot, um, that that found his way into in, in the, you know Pascal's hands for the dunk to put us back up four with 45 seconds. Um, but they can beat you at the free throw line is you know what I'm getting at. You know, so if, if they get it in there to him, if he's not finishing, you have to follow him, and if you follow him, you know you're you're getting into foul trouble and they're scoring at, at the stripe. So um, they're terrific. I mean, they really are. They're a good team. Uh, if they hit any shots, you know we're in trouble. But they didn't, and and you know I guess the rest is kind of history. Getting back to Frank Howard, and, and you mentioned his impact on the game. You fall behind eight, nine points in yeah. the second half, and, and then he goes on a tear. Uh, one of the biggest plays in the overtime period, he steals it, goes the other way for a layup, and, and then you don't give up the lead, yeah. uh, I, I don't think, after that. And Pascal scores four straight, the game's over. He looked a, as good as he's looked this year. The what best what did looked, you see out yeah. of Frank, and, and do you think it's it's a turning of the corner and, and something we'll see going forward? Well, it's it's to me, and, and we talked a little bit about this this afternoon on the on the radio show it was the fact that his calming presence of how he handled our group you know the the fact that during timeouts after coach talked frank was always there, there was always a message it was always yo we're right here we want it you know we need to want it more you know it was things of that nature and it was it was constant i love that i love i love when there's a constant voice that's always the motivating encouraging accountable voice you have to hold everybody accountable if you're willing to do it yourself and he did it himself he backed it up with how he played uh he was in he was in constant control of the basketball game in the second half he had his fingerprints all over it on both ends and um you know i i i think from the from the playing side of it from that perspective when when he got in the paint i think we were down eight and he got in the paint and o'Shea was in the corner and he hit him with a laser on the on the money and O had a wide open step in that he buried those like that type of basketball play to be able to break the paint draw the big and get a guy a wide open step in shot sometimes are the biggest difference and once he did that i think it kind of the confidence level went through the roof he hits the step back he had the 3 from the top of the key he hit the 3 in transition the two floaters um, even the times that he didn't make the shot, he was vertical, under control, and we had an opportunity to offensive rebound the shot because it wasn't the runner. You drew the secondary defender, uh, and you forced help, which gave the backside offensive rebounder an opportunity to get on the glass. Um, but he just, again, he, he had his fingerprints on the game from the way he was vocal in huddles to the way he handled himself on the court. Um, to get in guys' shots, to get in Tyus the ball at the right times, um, I thought I thought he was terrific. Um, but again, I, you know, we've we've made a lot about him not touching the paint. He touched the paint. Uh, he hit open shots, which is, you know, what we've been waiting for. And it's again, this isn't by accident. He's been working. Um, he's been coming before practice with me, staying after practice with Red. So you know we. Because of the numbers we have, you know, there's no, you know, we're working as a staff. You know, this, like I said, this this break has been really beneficial for us. Guys have really worked hard on their games, and it's, 
it's nice to see in a big in, in a big environment in a big moment that your senior has his best game uh, uh, of the year so far. We'll get to the phones in a minute, Jerry, but when you have a game like that out of Frank and, and he gets back to more of what you expect and, and what you expect out of him, how much does that change the offense, having that fourth score? What does it un- unlock? What does it enable you to do? Everything. I mean, would we have five in double figures last night? Yeah. I mean, think about that. If you had the fifth score, we're different. You know, now now all of a sudden you're you're the Syracuse team that everybody was really, really excited about, not the Syracuse team that lost on Saturday. You know, you're the team that everybody envisioned. Um, that's what it does. I mean, you have Pascal. If, if you have four viable scoring options on the perimeter, a lot of times Pascal is going to end up in that situation where it's like, uh-oh, you forgot about this 7-2 guy on the backside. Um, that's what it does. But it also allows Tyus Battle, you know, one of the things he and I talked about after the Georgia Tech game was being an every second guy. You need to be an every second guy. Uh, meaning every second you have the basketball in your hand, you're a threat. You're always a downhill. I don't, I, you know, no more east and west, no more stretches of, you know, three or four plays in a row where you weren't an option. That does not happen when you have the ball. Be the every second guy. Um, so if he's that guy, which he was, now when he's off the ball, if you have another guy that's applying pressure the same way that he did, now he has to be respected. So now you're working in more space. So now by the time you get it back, you've had two possessions where another guy picked up the slack, and now all of a sudden I have a rejuvenated energy to me because I've had two possessions where I haven't had to exert myself at the level I just had to of every other second. Um, so when you have guys making plays and making efficient basketball plays, you know, it makes everybody else that much more effective. Before we take our first time out, let's hit the phones. 315-437-7644 is the phone number if you want to join us tonight on the Jerry McNamara Show. First up, batting leadoff, we've got uh, Jake in Syracuse on the line. Jake, what's on your mind? What do you got for Coach? Hey, guys. Uh, Jerry, do you still – it's good to speak to Mr. Overrated. Do you still have that T-shirt? <laughs> um, Probably. Somewhere. Uh, that, that You could autograph that. get a lot of money for it around here. Um well, someone I, I did. It wasn't me. Quick, um, <laughs> uh, with Zion, I think instead of Flabby Chuck, a better comparison would probably be Kevin Willis. Do you remember him when he played with Atlanta? I do. He yeah, was just, sure, uh, I do. That was a jack, jack guy. Um, and I don't know how he, much he, he physically. I agree with that, but I, the, the game is different. Willis wasn't oh. as good with the basketball. I mean, if you watch some of the plays that Zion made last night, to be able to duck and weave in between two defenders, I mean, you're talking about a guy that can oh, yeah. go full head of steam downhill and then 90-degree cut sideways and then vertically explode. I mean, the guy, is, he's terrific. He's you know, I, I don't think Willis Absolutely. had this. Yeah, he's, he, um, he really is. He's a though, good player. Um, every time I, we play four ACC teams, the, the Florida State and, and uh, NC State, we seem to get the, the – short end of the stick with the officiating and uh, I don't know how much you can speak to that but it, it really seems to play out about every time we play them. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Well, you know, I, I think one of the things I, you know, I, you play a 40 minute game you know, nobody's perfect. It, it, you know, it's like this. It's it's. I, I've played a lot of basketball games in, in my career as a player um, and there wasn't a game that I didn't make a mistake. Um, there wasn't a game that I didn't have a turnover or take a bad shot or make a defensive um, mistake. So these guys are human, and, and 
you know, this game is played really fast. It's a little bit different in person. I think when you watch it on television, you know, you get the luxury of of instant replay and, and you know, vision of the entire court. I think when it happens, bang, bang. I mean, you know, even, even last night with Tyus Battle gets called for a charge on R.J. Barrett and, and – I'm standing up and I'm saying that's ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous. He avoided him. And then I watch it in an instant replay. I'm like, all right, well, I get it. RJ was, he was set. He was very set and he didn't move. He didn't slide or anything. And Tyus avoided him, but still made contact with him. So, you know, it's it's just so hard. You know, the, the things that frustrate me is when, you know, Barama Sidibe gets called for an, an over-the-back in the first half on R.J. Barrett. And then in the second half, in a, in a much more crucial moment, Zion goes up, misses a rebound. Pascal contests it, comes down to get the rebound. And Bolden just clearly, you know, is on top of him. And that one doesn't doesn't get called. Whereas in I'm watching it, and Barama doesn't make any contact, and Bolden makes contact, and that one doesn't get called but ours gets called you know that's when, when you talk about you know plays that that aren't officiated that are the same call that aren't officiated the same I think that's when when, when you talk about consistency I think that's where I would get more upset than, than as opposed to a bang bang call like even the last one on Zion I didn't I didn't you know he didn't get hit but that's why you attack the rim so aggressively because you're forcing, uh, you know, an opportunity to get a call. So, you know, you got to take these things in stride. There was a couple that went our way. You know, the play with, with you know, the lob shot again from Frank that I don't know if he'll tell you it was probably a lob, <laughs> but I think it was a shot. Um, that Pascal is in the cylinder, but we still get you know, the, the take away the basket because he has, but he still got free throws for it. So, you know, even a play like that, that could have easily gone the other way to Duke. So, you know, it's it it somehow usually more often than not kind of evens itself out. But I'm gonna scream regardless. <laughs> you can't help it when you're when you're in the environment. But yeah, I mean, you're gonna get some that go your way. You're gonna get get some that go against you. But these guys, you know, Mike Eads and and uh, you know Jeff and Ron, those guys that did the game last night, they're one. Of, they're some of the best in the game. You know, and everybody's gonna fight and lobby for calls, and that's just the way it is. But these guys are really good at what they do. The one thing that I appreciated as as a fan, the game seemed to open up a little bit more in the second, the second half. half. Yeah, it, they let him go a little bit. In in the first half, the, it it might have been a little whistle happy. Second half, it just opened up a little bit more, and you, you saw more play. And, yeah, and, flow. And, and I think you know, I think the smart thing from what they did too, as far as officiating, if you look back to the first half, you know, we got called for a couple of those touchy ones, but our hands were at forty five degrees; they weren't vertical. So their message to us is like, listen, I'll, I'll let it go as long as your guys are vertical. So what do we do? All right, we stay need to vertical. adjust here. we got to stay vertical. Now, Duke, on the other hand, what they got called for was the dislodge. You're not allowed to crack and really hit the centers and move them up the line with your arms extended. And they got called for two or three of those. So what did they have to do? They had to adjust to that and stop doing that. So it kind of worked for both ways. They got call, called for a couple offensive fouls, and we got called for a couple defensive fouls of how of how they wanted to see the game play out. I know we talked about this earlier, and, and we do have to take a break, but uh, I've never seen somebody I, I don't I, that I can remember thrown so violently while taking an offensive <laughs> foul as Marek did. I mean, that, that was like a runaway train that, yeah. that he just got in front of. Um, and, and I know you said earlier, it was in the game plan, you, you want to get one of those on the books? Yeah, we, you know, I didn't anticipate it being in in the open court. If, if anything, I thought it was going to be from a high a high post entry, a high post touch, and a catch and rip, where you guess left and you take a charge. I I, I didn't think 
<laughs> that in the open court anyone was going to be able to just say, "All right, here I am. I'm going to step in front of this this freight train." But uh, you know, again, like I said, if if there was when we talked about it in the game plan of of we wanted to try to make an emphasis of it, if there was a guy that I thought would kind of step up and 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 try to make a play like that, it'd be Marek. Yeah, uh, you said that earlier, and it's it's still a remarkable one uh, to watch, and, and something that you're you're pretty surprised uh, it, it actually happened. Uh, let's take a timeout. Three one five four three seven seventy six forty four is the telephone number. Call us if you want to join the Jerry McNamara show. Let's take a timeout. We're back from Tully's after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Tully's, this is the Jerry McNamara show. We're set to throw in against pressure for Duke. Into Hughes, catching it on the move, and not a chance really. 80-footer for Elijah on line. Oh! He got it! Oh! He got it from 80 feet. A three-quarter court shot flung up on line and right down the center for Elijah Hughes. Oh, my Lord. He steals three at the end of the half. Coach Jimmy Sat. Coach Sats let you know early that that was, uh, that that was good. Uh, we're here at Tully's on Erie Boulevard, the Jerry McNamara Show, up until 8. Uh, Jerry, have you ever seen a shot made from that far in a game? I mean, we've seen our share of buzzer beaters and long shots, but I, I can't remember one like that. I can't remember one like that. Uh, believe it or not, we shoot that shot every day after practice. So we finish practice with free throws, and then when we bring it in to break for the day as a group, before coach talks, we, you know, the guys decide, all right, I got the shot today. So we'll be at the free throw line, and whoever takes the shot that day takes two steps and shoots it from the opposite three-point line. Straight on, though. Yeah, straight on. Okay. Not from an angle. <laughs> from, like, the second hash. And his was actually probably a step behind st- a step or two farther than, than we normally shoot it. But I was thinking, I'm like, Honest to God, I'm thinking, don't don't turn it over here. Like, the last thing, let's go in down four, don't turn it over. And then when he fumbled it, like, my heart dropped quick. Like, oh, my God, don't do this. They're going to go dunk it. And then, <laughs> and then when he picked it up, immediately, relief, like, okay, perfect. And then he launches. And, it, and I took two steps. I was on my way to – I was toward coach. I had, I had already started to walk toward our locker room. And I, as I – as it got probably to about the three-point line on the other end, I'm like, that's going to hit the rim. That's going to hit something near the rim, and bam, right pure. <laughs> I, I mean, it, and it, it was remarkable. I mean, that didn't didn't touch rim, didn't hit backboard. I pure. mean, just went straight in. Unbelievable um, shot. Remarkable to watch. And, um, you know, we, we were talking about this during the break, but he had to maneuver around the scoreboard there. So you probably yeah. lost sight of that, right, from where you were? Yeah, for, for a brief second, because their, their jumbotron kind of the scoreboard comes right at midcourt, and it, it's, it hangs low. I mean, the, you, you know, the place is small. And for – for a second it was on the other side of that thing (laughs) lost complete sight of it picked it up on the other side like a comet and it just what an what a what a great way to go into halftime start the game down 12 nothing think about the the range of emotions there in the pits cloud nine you know so for us to go into the half down one feeling great about where we're at you know I, I think it gave us a, a big boost going into the locker room, how obviously. Often, how often do you make the shot at the end of practice? Over the last, I don't know how many years we've been doing it now, but over the last few years I'd say there's probably probably seven or eight times it's been made, nine times. I think it's happened twice, like on the road. 
at like an opposing opposing gym. I think we made one at the uh, New York Athletic Club the one time when we were playing down by the down at the Garden. Um, we I think someone made it this year. I don't know if it's Howard Washington or O'Shea. One of those guys made it. Um, little Adrian Autry's pretty good at it, believe it or not. That's <laughs> his best shot. He makes those more purely than a step in. 20 footer you need him for a specialist oh, for the yeah, end of half buried. put it in just ask him to launch B- baby zion so i call him <laughs> uh i'm told that uh there were a couple in the the mid 2000s one in 03 from pittsburgh that didn't count so that would have been your uh your freshman year yeah that was more one. half court though i think i don't know how far oh i remember that game <laughs> the fans rushed the court brandon knight hit it brandon knight hit the shot um Fans rushed the court, then they had to get off the court. Then we had to replay it. It was, yeah, I don't, something happened. It was, <laughs> it was, a, it was a, a lot longer delayed win than it should have been, but it was, a, it didn't count. Matter of fact, Cleveland State, Cleveland State. I was at the Cleveland State game. I sat with this was the year after I graduated when Cleveland State hit the game winner from the shot that we take. It was almost dead on the three point line from the opposite end, dead shot. And I was sitting with uh, uh, Demetrius Nichols. He and I had come up to meet up and watch the game together. And we sat with Dr. Gross when he was here right on the baseline. So we were dead on it. And as soon as it left his hand, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. And it just pure. W- w- horrible ending, obviously. But that's probably the longest other one I've seen in person that I can recall. Yeah, that, that's shot. pretty cool. You, you don't see it often. And, and I want to go from that shot to the last shot of regulation. Uh, Tyus shakes his man and gets what looks like a fantastic look at a three. I, I mean, I, I think that if, if you're a Syracuse fan out there who didn't think Tyus Battle was taking that shot, I, I, I don't know what you were yeah. thinking, but how good did you feel when he got <laughs> around that guy and, and got that look? Well, when he released it, it was such a good-looking shot, too. I mean, everything he did was, was like, you know, a, a a pre-practice one dribble pull-up uh hard left fake into a left to right crossover into a one dribble just wide open shot and as soon as he let it go the trajectory of it everything looked online and just clipped off that back rim but when you have the luxury of having a guy out there that can create his own you know it's it's such a great thing as a coach to know all right regardless of what your actions are that you have as far as set when stuff breaks down, who do you have? Who do you have to make something happen? And we have one of the best guys in college basketball to go create something on his own and tie his battle. And I've watched him hit that shot a million times over the last three years, and uh, he got such a quality look. How about the play where he pushed Jack White downhill in transition, and he went hard right in and out and stopped on a dime and went right to left between, and my man, he got the wobbles. Yep. He had the... He had the, the boxing wobbles. You get hit with a, a straight right hook, and the legs just went whoop, and they teetered, and he fell back. I saw that one on SportsCenter again last night, and there was an audible reaction from the co-anchor. Not the one who was doing like the highlight, oh. but the other one gave like a oh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, as, as, he, as he fell back. Well, I think it, it surprised Ty so much that if you watched our bench, I think half the reaction was, oh, like it was you know an and one game. My reaction was, shoot the ball, <laughs> because he was so wide open. You know, he he made such a good move, and he's so difficult to stay in front of. It happens to everyone. I'm not clowning on the right. kid. The kid's a really good defender, actually. And um, Tyus, you know, I, I know I can't stay in front of him, so I'm not judging anybody else. But, you know, I think he was 
he was surprised that he dropped. And then all he had to do was take that one extra dribble. So if you watch his reaction, it was kind of like, "Woo, that was pretty good. I just, I just dropped him." But my reaction was, "Shoot the ball! <laughs> Every time you get it, shoot it!" You know. So uh, he he was just, you know, the kids used the, the term on skates. He had guys on skates last night. He was really shifty, and when he got an angle, he was straight line driver. He was really good, and he made a couple. Of, if you go back, even the, the one that I thought kind of relieved the pressure for us, when he got in the paint and they drew the secondary defender, the big, and he shot the little teardrop floater off the glass, he made two of those last night, those difficult uh, elevated shots. I thought when we were up one and he got in there and Bolden blocked his shot, um, I think it was the play prior to Zion getting fouled to, to have a chance, um, Bolden made a great play. Uh, Tyus made a couple really difficult teardrop floaters last night. He got the ball three times on that final possession. They get it off off the rebound, you get it to him. They foul, get it back to him, foul, get it back to him. Are, are you ever surprised that it's it's not more difficult for him to get the ball given everything he's done at the end of games at, at SU? Well, I think the problem is from you never want to you never want to eliminate yourself out of the play. So the the problem with if you're in a tie ball game with 5-6 seconds left and you pressure me and I get it, and you overplay the passing angle, I can eliminate you in one dribble, and I've already created my advantage for an easier shot. So I think that's the fear of, of over-aggressively defending on a last possession is taking yourself and putting yourself at a disadvantage as far as instead playing it straight up and trying to do a great job defensively and making you, forcing you into a more difficult shot. So I understand that. I understand if you overplay an angle, you might give something up that you wouldn't necessarily give up, and you don't want to put yourself at a disadvantage late in the game when it matters most. We're here at Tully's on Erie Boulevard. We're going to be playing Papa Shot uh, after the show as well. we got a pair of Pittsburgh tickets on the line for our Papa Shot uh, contestant going up against Jerry McNamara after the show. So if you're here, uh, drop off your slip and try and uh, try and be our winner. Let's take a timeout. We'll come back. 315-437-7644 is the number to join us here on the Jerry McNamara Show on ESPN Radio. Live from Tully's, this is the Jerry McNamara Show. We're back here on ESPN Radio and at Tully's on Erie Boulevard. 315-437-7644 is the telephone number if you'd like to join the show with us tonight. we got about 20 minutes left, and then we'll pass things off to Alan Griffin, Stephen Fonte, and Mike Waters over at Atilio's on James. They'll have another hour of SU basketball talk to get to tonight, uh, recapping that Duke win and, and then moving things forward. I, I do want to get to Pascal Chukwu, the center, and, and uh, the impact that that has, and then we can move forward to, to Pittsburgh and, and look ahead a little bit. But we talked earlier about getting Frank and getting a fourth star, uh, fourth scorer involved, and you quickly said, well, there were five scorers in that game, five guys in double figures. Uh, when you get a, a performance like that out of Pascal, which, uh, I, you know, just off the top of my head, and, and you could please correct me i think that's his best game that he's played here i mean what what uh, where where's that come from how how does it change things for you knowing that you know at the very least he's an active rebounder i think a number of things i think i think different styles um how, how teams defend you know obviously you know the georgia tech game is a little bit more difficult for him to find space you know the one thing with p is because he's a little bit frail from the from the waist down with his legs and because of where he has the basketball, sometimes his the physicality of guys playing below his waist can knock him off balance. So 
the more room he has to catch and go up where it's one-on-one, he has an easier time. Once that second defender is with him where he can body him and be physical with him, it knocks him off his spots a little bit. And the one thing that we knew that the way Duke defended is we're going to, if, if we elevate and they're going to pressure and we use ball screens and we get paint touches, you gotta you have to send that guy from the corner to help rebound on the backside. And that's a long way to go sometimes. And if, if you're doing what we did, which is get paint touches and attack the rim, that secondary f- defender, is, as he contests, that, that backside is going to be open. And now you're talking about P having a chance to catch and go right up with no defender or one defender. And that's a world of difference. Um, he and and as far as rebounding, man, I, I've always been a believer in if you want to go get rebounds, you're going to get them. You know, the way you go get rebounds is go for them every single time. And and you know, we've seen this in stretches with Pascal where he can just be so effective. Um, you know, we saw it in stretches last year, and I think he had more of a little bit of a leash because of the situation we were in from. Uh, injury standpoint we he knew he had to play stretches you know now you add another piece in elijah and now well all right now we can move marek to the five you still have brahma who's healthy now um you know so it's a little bit harder to justify if you don't have a good stretch to leave you out there because now we have another person that all right we can put him in there and see if he gives us a boost um so i think last night was was a kind of a combination of everything i think p was just really really focused and locked in i think he got extended stretches and he got the extended stretch because of how well he was playing. And if if he's playing with that type of energy of, of having a big that's going to follow him up there to to contest guards that are trying to drive to the paint, and he's willing to run and dive as hard as he can and get to that six foot four foot area around the around the rim, he's going to have some chances. And uh, he did that last night. He was all over the place. Uh, you know, we talked about Frank having his fingerprints all over the game and. You know, I think the the reason we won is because we had multiple guys that had their fingerprints all over the game. Tyus had them all over. Um, Frank played a huge role in the second half, and and you know I thought Ty and Elijah kind of carried us there offensively, and then O kind of came out of nowhere and gave you a spurt too. So um, I think it was a little bit product of environment how they defended, and and he was able to take full advantage of it, but. From the 18 rebound standpoint, that was that was guts. That was him willing to, to go up there and say, I'm going to get a few of these. You mentioned the the word resilience earlier, talking about coming down from tw- coming back from 12-0 down, coming back from you know eight nine points in the second half. What about with Pascal? Because two games ago he didn't play, and then he you know play plays on Saturday in in spurts, and then he gets 32 minutes and has the game that yeah. he has. Just kind of this this five game stretch for him where he's taken out of the starting lineup, he doesn't play at all, and now he has the best game of his career. I mean that that's resilience too. I couldn't agree more. Um, you know. Obviously, you could look at, at, at certain things. I think the one thing you have to understand with, with Pascal's situation is we didn't necessarily look at it as and try to, you know, it's hard as a player because you want to be in the starting lineup, and if you get taken out of the starting lineup, you automatically think it's a demotion. You know, we didn't want P to look at it that way. We just were struggling on the offensive end. So, all right, let's put Marek in there, who now we can elevate five men. And, you know, when, when we run our five high set where we run – uh, action off the five man it's a little bit harder to get the ball because now they don't have to defend p um they had to defend marek when he was out there so you know that was really all the move was and then you know i think coach just in that one stretch just thought it wasn't the right game for pascal for for um you know what one reason or another um you know so to stay focused and stay ready and 
you know, when you get your opportunity to take advantage of it, I think it speaks volumes of where he's at from a mental standpoint. He's engaged. You know, sometimes, and I'm not going to say it was a good thing that it happened to him that he got taken out of the starting lineup and it lit a fire. I don't know. I don't know if that's the case. I mean, you can't just assume that. But I will say, um, for a guy that didn't play, to come in on the road at Duke and have the game he had, you're, you're darn right it was resilience. Let's take a quick phone call here before we take our final time out of the show. We've got Pat in Syracuse on the line. Hey, Pat, welcome back. Gary, how you been? Pat, how are you? Good. Hey, listen, I just wanted to say congratulations on the win. Um, out of me, you, and Seth, I, I, two of us, two out of the three, thought that we were going to be competitive. And, and, and I, I know you're not a betting man, and I'm not either, but I will say that I thought it was comical. Uh, when, and, I, and I'm glad to hear in the post-game comments that the uh, club took it personal. I, I know Frank touched on it quickly, you know, that uh, we, we – these, these kids go to school to play against Duke and to compete on the highest level, and and I I'm glad that they took it personal that that, that we were a 17 point dog and we went down there and took care of business. I did have one question about Hughes. Um, I, I'm seeing some different lineups. I'm just a little bit I'm just a little bit wondering, and I know now Frank's coming into his own, so it's kind of a mute point. Obviously, he he wasn't 100. Um, percent is there any reason that Elijah, uh, that, that Hughes never plays the two? Well, I, you know, I, I think more so it was just the fact that having him at the three, you know, allows probably two or three different options at the one or two. Um, you know, if you play him at the two, you know, you're sitting either, you know, Frank or Tyus. And I think... You know, the way Coach is thinking is he wants his best five. And, um, you know, playing E at the three, you know, it's not the same thing if you put, you know, Tyus has played it in stretches where he's gone down there, but he's not the same. Um, I think Elijah's done a really good job from the forward position defensively. Um, made one mistake, I thought, uh, leaving Barrett when we had the five-point lead. You know, things kind of change uh, defensively. But I think... I think Coach has always kind of enjoyed having the guy at the three position, um, like a Chris Joseph who can handle and make plays from that spot. Um, so I think I, I think it'd have to be kind of a, an extreme circumstance for whatever reason, whether you know Jalen like he struggled last night. If he's struggling and something happened with foul trouble with Frank, now you play Tyus at the one and you put E at the two, and he's practiced. What what you don't realize, Pat, is um, kind of like the Braden Bayer situation last year when he got an opportunity to play in the Michigan State game. It wasn't the first time that we had him, had him working on it, you know, defensively. So the one thing that we're always kind of ahead of, if, if we ever need to do it and want to do it and, and put Elijah in a situation where we put him at the guard, especially defensively, um, he's going to pre- be prepared for it because he plays a lot of it in practice um, just to make sure that that happens. Um, you know, but I think it's more so an opportunity for for coach to to leave Tyus at the two uh, to give him extended stretches and probably more so than anything, try to start to develop Jalen Carey and and give him some stretches. Try to develop Buddy into a comfortable uh, elite level shooter and sniper for us. So, um, you know, I'd rather play E and Tyus extended minutes at the two and three uh, than jeopardize minutes at either position. If that makes sense. So. Um, and another thing that I'm just thinking, because I was thinking about it earlier, 
I thought it was genius. If you go back and watch the game, you know, we played so compact the entire game. And yeah, I'm just thinking about it when Elijah gave up the three uh, to Barrett there to, to get it back to two. When we went up back, back up four, uh, I, you know, I watched it today and I watched the TV copy. I usually don't, but I watched the TV copy because it was on TV. And Jay Billis said on the last possession, I think they got it with, what, 45 seconds left somewhere yep. in there. Um Maybe a little less, and he said, "Wow, they're taking a lot of time." And the reason they were taking a lot of time is all of a sudden, in the blink of an eye, our zone changed. I wanted to ask you about this. Our zone changed, and now it was elevated. And once it elevated, they couldn't find the same shooting opportunities that they had when we were compact. So now, when they came down, they couldn't find that clean look. So instead of getting it in five seconds, it took them sixteen, seventeen seconds to get it to Zion for an open shot. Let's let's take a quick time out. I want to talk about this a little bit more. We'll wrap it up after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Tully's, this is the Jerry McNamara Show. All right, we're back here on Tully's on Erie Boulevard just for a couple more minutes. And, and Jerry, I do want to get into the defense with you for the, the time that we have left. Um, it was interesting to watch the majority of the game. You said the, the zone was compact. It, it looked more, and I don't mean this as a, a bad thing, it, it looked more like the traditional 2-3 zone, more so than what we're used to with, yeah. with your team. With how we play it. With, with how you guys play it. Um, but it allowed Duke to, to shoot threes, and, and clearly something you guys were comfortable with. We weren't comfortable with it. We were More just, comfortable. We, we, yeah, we thought <laughs> statistically, you know, we talked about it this afternoon. I, I think you try to create and develop a game plan that's going to give you the best chance. Um, we thought playing it compact and saying, all right, beat us from the perimeter gave us a better chance than saying we're going to let Zion go wild, which he did anyway. Um, but in in, instead of him getting 48, he got, what, 38? 35. 35. You know, so um, that, was, that was the theory. All right, make a few shots from the perimeter, but we're not going to just allow you to push us around inside. And um, it, it ended up working out. I don't think Jack White's ever going to do that again. I mean, he's a good shooter. I think you miss a few of them, you start to think about it. So I think that worked in our favor. Um, obviously, Reddish not playing is another, you know, a really good three-point shooter and won the game at Florida State. So, um you know, it just just kind of worked out in our favor that that the game plan you know worked out. Yeah, and then you mentioned you you were able to take it that last possession of overtime yeah. and 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 just play it change. more traditional. Yeah, we played it to the elevated. You're not going to get threes on us. Exactly. We did it at the right time, but we were fortunate to have the four point lead to to have the luxury of doing that. Yeah, we got our our winner, our Papa Shot contestant, Jake Wolbert is uh, is going to come up and play Jerry uh, in Papa Shot when we're done here for some uh, pit tickets to Saturday's game. We've got the Alan Griffin Show coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Uh, that's coming up from Atilio's with Stephen Fonte, Mike Waters, and of course Alan Griffin next on ESPN Radio.